Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there. Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I am muy, muy excited to introduce you to today's guest. Today's guest has often been described as an idiot savant. She's a writer, a composer, and a monster vocalist. Please welcome to the mic, the Tweedledee to my Tweedledum, the Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb herself, Amanda Darkangelis. <laughs> That is by far the best introduction I have ever received. Um, thank you for that. That was that was quite excellent. You know, I felt great writing it down. I was like, these are good words. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that right on my website. Um, first thing you see. I loved it. The poll quote. Yeah. How you been, Amanda? I'm good. Um, I uh, what's today? Today's Thursday. Okay, so does it matter? Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> I've been you know, working on the the musicals, just wrapped up on um, a big old project, uh, which was nice. Um, I spend my days, well, my afternoons mostly teaching like four-year-olds how to write songs. So that's always fun. Um, and um, spend my mornings working out. I just finished a nice, uh, nice long run. So um, that's kind of what the, the day-to-day has been. Um, and I'm squatting in Long Island, um, with my parents cause it's still the pandemic and, um, that's kind of cool, um, in one way cause you know, a nice house to quarantine in, um, but, uh, missing the city for sure, missing the, the hubbub of it all. But, uh, Ryan, how have you been? You, you snuck on, uh, to the West coast and, and you're, you're in Portland. Um, I have a, I have a question for you actually. Do your, do your thoughts also slow down when you go to the West coast? Like, do you, I know like people speak slower, but like, and I know everything is just slower than it is in New York. I mean, New York is just like fast, 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 but like, I want to know like the level in which the pace comes down. Yeah. Um, I, I think depending on how long you stay on the West coast, you lose a times table every third month. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense to me. That yeah. makes sense to me. I can only confidently do like my threes. Oh, wow. The threes of all of them, huh? All of them. Wow. wow. I thought the fours were easier, but all right. No judgment. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. It's so good to talk to you. So let's, let's take this back to the beginning. Oh, gosh. Okay. So little Amanda Dark Angelus mm-hmm. on Long Island, Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Oldest sibling. 
Mm-hmm. How was that? Um, well, I'd say great because I got um, three and a half years with my mom, just me and her, which was um, which was awesome. So I am I am Puerto Rican and I'm Italian. Um, my last name is Darkangelis, so it's an Italian last name. Um, it's a white presenting name. Um, here on Long Island, everyone's either Irish or Italian. Um, but I, I don't necessarily look full Italian. Um, I definitely look Puerto Rican and I definitely look Hispanic. Um, so that definitely colored my life experience for sure. Um, being the older sibling. Yeah. I mean, was I the kindest? I don't know. Maybe not, but I think every older sibling gets a little annoyed with their younger sibling. My, my sister is, um, great now. She's also living at home. So we all live together again. Yay. Um, and she's a very, very, very successful um, designer. So she's she made it just fine with me being um, a little mean as an older sister. But Long Island's a very interesting place to grow up, right? Because it's literally a hop, skip, and a jump from Manhattan and from Brooklyn and from Queens. You know, you've come to my house several times. You know that it's literally a 40-minute train ride. And, you know, a lot of my... My mom's from Brooklyn. Like, my mom grew up in Bed-Stuy, so... She like grew up in the hood and, you know, my mother's side of the family, they all kind of stayed in the Queens of Brooklyn area. So it was very interesting knowing that just, you know, a quick drive away, you can be in total and utter isolation from every culture besides white. And it's, it's very interesting that definitely shaped my upbringing and, you know, led to a lot of and still, you know, a lot of discovery of um, my identity and how I move through the world as a white presenting um, Latinx person. Yeah. And I mean, your sister's probably a very successful designer because you were mean. That's what I like to say as an older, <laughs> as an older sibling as well with a very successful younger sibling. It's because of our struggles that they got to succeed. Oh, for sure. And she, and you know, academically, like it was like, I, I was like, I whizzed through school with like no issues. Those in all honors, you know, I didn't really try like the schooling came easy to me and it didn't come easy to her. So she, she actually acquired this brilliant work ethic that I am so envious of. I, I have a good work ethic. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely surround myself with people that have amazing worth work ethics to keep me accountable because I tend to get a little lazy. Well, and we've both talked about this going back to people who like yourself felt like they kind of flew through school without having to like study or do anything breeds this, I don't know, this like contempt for doing anything that I'm not immediately good at. Oh yeah, absolutely. It does not form good habits in that sense. Like to learn something new, most people aren't good at things right off the bat. And for people that have natural talents in certain areas, yeah, it's definitely um, a muscle to be worked. And I think that comes with maturity. You know, that's a hard thing to develop as a child or a teenager. Like, oh, yeah, well, if you keep trying, you'll be good at it one day. I mean, that's why people give up things so quickly. So I know that you are a very musical person. So I have a feeling we're going to be talking about music for a long time. But what was the music you remember hearing around the house when you were like a little, little one? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you're gonna love it. Um, Celine Dion. My my mom, my my parents' taste in music is very interesting. Um, so they're both the youngest siblings. My mom's one of eight and she's a fifth out of the eight, but she's the youngest girl. And my dad's one of three and he's the youngest boy. They're all boys. So they have older parents and they have older siblings. So like my parents are, what, if I'm 28, like 58 and 57, but like mentally, culturally, they're like definitely in their mid to late 60s. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so like my dad's music taste is definitely kind of like bluesy, um, like old school rock, like, n like not nothing, like no 80s rock, no, like even like some 70s rock. I'm talking like he likes like the 60s and like the early, early 70s. And um, my mom really kind of instilled my love for pop music and like hooky stuff but Celine Dion I remember very vividly um there's a video of me dancing with like I was maybe one and a half years old dancing with my baby doll to um I'm your lady. 
I'm like one and a half years old, like closing my eyes, like in my feelings, like slow dancing around the living room. And I just think that that was a formative moment. Um, And even prior to that, um, there's video of me as like an infant crying and my mom some somehow figured out um that Barry Manilow okay quelled my 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 tears and my fears so she'd put on Barry Manilow's Mandy and I would shut the fuck up real quick it's on video as well and I just like wonder if she knows that she was simply feeding me all of the necessary foods to be a gay man Oh yeah. Like I don't think that she <laughs> fully realizes that, but um I I do blame her fully for who I am now. <laughs> Very specific, like 40-year-old gay man with like a sweater around his shoulders, but it's not on his body. Yeah, I don't understand that look. I'm like, why are your shoulders cold? But whatever. Whatever. That's awesome. I the music that was in my house, I guess like if you're like in the garage with dad, was Bruce Springsteen. Uh-huh. Because my dad really liked to point out um that bruce was like a very anti-war poet um yes people have co-opted and then if we woke up and michael jackson was playing that that mom wanted us to do chores Ooh, that's so it's like exciting but it's kind of it's kind of great conditioning though you're like oh yeah the michael jackson bops oh crap i gotta clean but at least there are bops like honestly jocelyn did a great job there And conditioning you guys to be cleanly humans. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, okay, time to wake up. Ah, and I was like, PYT is playing. Yeah, I was going to say, that was the first one I thought of. I want some love you. Yes, I would absolutely clean to that. Damn. I turn into a Pixar character and slide down the stairs and just like start picking things up. Throwing up. That image is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so you knew that you liked Celine. You knew that you loved power ballads. When mm-hmm. did you start like becoming the musician you are now? Like, how did you get on that path? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if you know, but my my mom, um, Hilda, she's a great singer, and my my dad, he plays guitar. Um, he's a hobbyist, but he's incredible. Like, could have been in a band. Um, should be in. I mean, should be still. So he played for me every night when he got home from work, and you know would sing me whatever and my mom always sang to me and I very very vividly remember starting to harmonize at like three years old like she we were singing together and she goes okay well now sing this and she told me to sing like the third above and I remember singing harmony for the first time and being like whoa and being like this is so cool so I like very very quickly learned how to harmonize and then my mom at this point is like, oh, this kid's like, you know, two, three years old, like singing completely on pitch, like harmonizing, like this is legitimate. So she would buy me musical toys and didn't really know how to go about teaching me, um, you know, and like going about lessons. You know, my parents were not privy to that knowledge um, at that point in time, but I would, you know, play stuff by ear. I'd, you know, pick stuff out on my like children's toy like xylophone and um really noodled and played by ear until um I started formal music lessons in like the fourth grade so I really didn't have any formal training besides just singing at home and harmonizing and then I started viola first viola was my first instrument in fourth grade I remember wanting to play the clarinet right and I go in and the teachers are looking at me and they're like, hmm, well, your teeth are kind of messed up. So maybe not the clarinet. And I was mortified. What does that mean? I had buck teeth and oh. they knew that I was going to probably have braces mm. and they knew that it was going to be, it was going to hinder the learning process. So they're like, you know what? You have good hands. I'm like, my hands are tiny. Like you have good hands. Why don't you play a string instrument? And I was like, like maybe the violin. And I was like, mm, the viola. And they're like, oh, she's weird. Okay. So the viola it was, and then pretty quickly, you know, I think at like, you know, fifth, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade in my um, school district, they had um, like a choir program. So then I started that as well. I was very lucky to grow up in a um, very, very arts-centric town um, in America, New York. We have a high school um, drama program that's kind of the, um, it's the program for the entire uh, town. Um, it's like a charter school. That's the word I'm looking for. 
Um, so like all the kids in the surrounding area can audition and um, get in. I was zoned for that school, but I also auditioned and got in anyway. Um, so yes, like I said, very lucky to grow up in a place where um, these things were offered in our public schools. I think I didn't start piano lessons until I think like fifth or sixth grade. So I had to have been like 11 years old. Like I did not touch a piano formally until then, um, which is pretty cuckoo. And I can, I, I always wonder, I'm like, man, what, what would I be if I had started formally earlier? Like what would the trajectory, what would that have been? And quite frankly, I think I'd be in a very similar spot because my inclination towards creativity has always been, has always prevailed over being a practitioner of music. Well, and I mean, you grew up in the town that gave us rumors by Lindsay Lohan. Of course, you're going to sure musical, did. You know? <laughs> of course. Yeah, they um, they grew up a couple blocks away. Um, it was always it was a little town goss around that. Um, but quite frankly, they keep to themselves. Um, nice people. Whenever you run into them. Um, big fans. Big fans. I can't wait. I, I really want to go to Minkinos. I really want to go to the club. So, you know, when we can travel, let's do it. Just two I'm gay, down Two gay men in Mykonos. <laughs> that's right that's right so so you're doing a lot of music when did uh when did theater come in so the the sixth grade play right so I well that's when I first started doing it but I very 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 clearly remember seeing my first show it was Bye Bye Birdie I was in it was before I moved town so it was before I moved here so I had to have been in first grade first or second grade and the fourth and fifth graders did Bye Bye Birdie. We saw it like during recess or something. And I ran home. It was my first musical. I was like, mom, mom, mom. Oh my gosh. I saw this great, great show. And like music was so, so great. And then they bought me the cast album. And I remember loving it. And I started to get into musicals then. And then with the move, um, moving towns, and then just, you know, kind of some life shifts, I that kind of went away for a few years. Like it was like, the obsession started and then it went away. And then as, you know, sixth grade approached, it was like, oh man, what's the sixth grade show for like our year going to be? And I remember being very, very excited to audition. Um, and at this point I wasn't taking formal voice lessons. Like I said, I was just, you know, a natural musician, um, you know, did everything by ear. And our show was Once on This Island. <gasps> now... I'm sure you're thinking, oh my God, Amanda, like you must have been T-Moon being the only Hispanic girl in, you know, the district. You definitely, no, that wasn't the case. Actually, my my best friend, um, one of my best friends to this day, um, actually my oldest friend, um, Katie Smith, she actually booked the role of T-Moon because she could dance it. Um, but I, I remember going in and I sang, I didn't have stage parents, you know, um, my dad kind of picked up that role later on and he really understood how to do it, but that didn't really happen until college auditions. Um, so, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to audition. And, you know, they didn't have the muscle to be like, oh, okay, well we need to learn a song and like, you know, practice and audition. I sang a beautiful rendition of God bless America for my audition. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Right. Um, vocally was I one of the strongest, of course, but then that always also got me into, we need to put her where we need her situation, right? Like, okay, well, this this girl can hold down this. So I was, you know, blessed with the alto line from there until college, basically. So theater, okay, I'm, I'm going to try and double back here a little bit. So I was cast in um, Once on This Island as a Grand Ohm, which is just like so funny, right? It's like the one person of color being like the white, the white people like on the island. Um, you would have been a fierce Papa Gay in sixth grade. Oh my God. You know, it's so funny. Um, so this really, he's, he's an amazing musician to this day. His name is Joe Villafane. He's, um, his voice is sick. His voice was incredible as a child, like literally nuts. And like to this day, I can, I literally only hear him singing in my head because it was that good. It was like, damn, this kid can, he's got fucking pipes. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, you know, we got into middle school and they had the middle school show and it was your good man, Charlie Brown. And I mean, I just think I was I was a chubby, you know, 
Puerto Rican in a in a white town with a good voice, but you know, very very little confidence due to being made to feel like I stood out um, for a long time. And I think just the lack of I think the lack of confidence and conviction, but also maybe just sheer lack of imagination led me to never really being cast. Um, even moving into high school, um, I was, you know, I was never um, the leading lady. It never, that has never happened for me. I've never, um, I've never led a show. And I kind of, it's so funny. After, after a while, I, I really just accepted that was my fate. I actually went to college. I went, you know, I got into the Boston Conservatory, which is, you know, one of the best schools for theater. I went to the Boston Conservatory assuming I would never lead a show. I would never be a leading lady. I truly, Ryan, thought that I was going to be an ensemblist my whole life. That's got to be a strange headspace to be in, especially like being a kid auditioning for programs and like getting into the place that you've dreamed of. Right. And just because, and, and it was because of the talent, you know, I had gone to stage door manor as well. So like I was constantly surrounded by immense talent and immense money and immense um, privilege. And, and also people that really were very, very obsessed with theater. Like I had an obsession with theater and music, but my, my interests were a little more spread out and a little less concentrated, which may have not worked in my favor, but um I definitely moved through the world for a very long time thinking I was not ever worthy enough of of leading the way. I mean, even in, I remember, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year of college, even there, you know, to like make the list of roles you want to play. And Ryan, I was like dumbfounded. I was like stumped. I was like, I don't know. Where you're like trying to find like the strange swing track to write down. So people are like, sure. Right. And I, and I also think, well, also there's, there is something that, you know, we had a very, very musical town, a very, very theatrical town, but it never occurred to me that people could be in theater as dancers first. Mm. Like to me, like if you were in musical theater, you had to be like a five out of five singer. Like it didn't make sense to me that there were people that were just on the other side of the coin. So I truly went into Boco. I started my freshman year being like, I am going to get this dancing training that I need in order to be a working ensemblist my whole life. And I mean, I, I came in thinking I was an alto, an alto too, because that's what I was told. They're like, you are an alto, you hold down the fort. Like you are the basis in which all of this can work as a whole, but you will not be seen. I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say that I accepted it with grace. I didn't all the time. It was definitely frustrating. And for a long time, and even to this day, I still question my, my acting ability and my talent because I, didn't really get to stretch the muscle and, you know, explore deeply. I was not fully given the opportunity, but there has to be a point where you separate, okay, well, I wasn't given this opportunity and saying, okay, well, I'm not going to let that stop me. And then just making opportunities for yourself and taking opportunities that are there. So I think that it can, it can, it can eat at you. You can, you, it can become your entire existence and it can make you very bitter right you can say I wasn't given this I wasn't given that I wasn't allotted this no one saw me and I have all this talent and I you know why 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 you can ask all the questions but there's an underlying there's an underlying thing it's it's the want and desire to move above that and that takes a lot of heart that takes a lot of self-realization to rise above that and realizing that in order to be successful, you do not need to be accepted by everyone and um, validated by others. Absolutely. Well, and do you think it was that those times where you were feeling unseen when you, when you look back on it, like if you're singing the alto two, alto one line, you're actually, what they're saying is you're a good musician. Well, yeah. And uh, we need someone who can be a good musician, but as a child, it feels not that way do you think those experiences are what led your writing career to be so inclusive of people who would be considered others I think that's exactly 125 percent what 
my goal as as a writer is. I mean, I think a big part of the fact why I couldn't, I could never see myself in any of these roles is because I'd never seen someone like me in any of the roles. I mean, I know there's hundreds of artists that talk about this same exact thing, but it's true. It really, if you don't see the representation, how are you supposed to imagine that reality for yourself? Or even in your case, you have very concrete experiences where you were told not you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, I, I mean, in, I equated a lot of it in, you know, my early, early years to the fact that I was Puerto Rican in a, in a white town and I was overweight um, for most of my life. And then in college, I equated it with the fact that I was a gay person, one of the only gay girls in the program. And it was definitely exploited by teachers and definitely used in a way that would probably now be seen as abusive. But once again, I could cry about it. I acknowledge the fact that it definitely did some harm, but also I can say, well, I don't want to do this butch bull dyke monologue. I, I, I appreciate that you are acknowledging that I am a, a gay person here, but also I want there to be content that reflects who I am. I, I feel like I'm a fairly feminine person. I have strong opinions. I'm from New York. I'm Italian and Puerto Rican. Yeah, I'm a little spicy. I'm a little rough around the edges, but like soft and doughy on the inside, you know, like where, where's the humanity here? Where, why are these just these glaring stereotypes? And I mean, still, still, it's hard to find content that really reflects, you know, people as three-dimensional. A lot of it is two-dimensional. And I'm not saying that, you know, my art in particular um, is perfect at making people three-dimensional. It's not by any means, it's a work in progress, but I would really, really love to write roles and write shows that have just roles for women. And and that's statistically because most of these programs are going to be, what, 65, 35 women to men? And the, I can't even tell you. I mean, we had 56, 58 people in our program. Everyone in my class was so wildly talented in their own way. And when I'm telling you that, like, maybe 65% of them never got properly showcased. That is the absolute truth. And that's, you know, also symptomatic of being in a large program. But there need to be the opportunities. There need to be shows that that do that, you know? And I, and yes, I think a, a really big part of it was I wanted to write, write roles that I wanted to play, write roles that I thought were fun. And, you know, definitely with a solid dose of humor, I can't say I take anything too seriously, but also that that let you show off, that let you vocally show off. I mean, not overindulge because we all know how I feel about excessive belting and ripping. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely that is my that is my absolute goal. I really want there to be opportunity. There's so much untapped talent, and I really strive to have shows and experiences where there's an opportunity for everyone to bring what they have to the table. I mean, that's lovely. That, here, here. Here, here. More, more of that. Who is musically inspiring you right now? Ooh, um, right now. That's a good question. So <laughs> historically, I am, I'm not a lyric listener. And I know that is like mind boggling to a lot of people. But as, as a musician first, like, you know, like it's in my bones, like I just hear music first and the second time I'll hear music first and the third time I'll hear music first. Like I'm here, you know, I listen to chord changes. I listen to voicings. Like it's the sound. That's how I feel. Um, and the words more often than not are secondary. Now, as a writer, when I'm writing songs, especially pop songs, it's not always the case. Like a lot of times I will lyrically have an idea, but then try and build a interesting musical idea around it. So it is a little hypocritical that when listening to music, I'm really not fully paying attention to lyrics, but there also needs to be a cohesiveness for me that, that makes it work. My, my music taste is strange. Um, it's eclectic for sure. I have been listening to Victoria Monet. I like the vibes. Um, I think that the, the lyrics are spunky and sexual, but also sensual. Um, I'm trying to think I, 
Okay, really, really. Okay, so I went to the city on Tuesday to teach. And my sister and I had gone down a YouTube rabbit hole on Monday night. And we had found the acapella group Voctive. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Maybe I'm just like way behind the times because they've been around for like definitely like seven years. And if you have not heard of them, do yourself a favor, check it out, get a box of tissues. Um, So the arranger, his name is Jamie something. I'm forgetting his name. He's arranged for like, Disney, Broadway, I mean, like all of every, every big thing you can ever think of, uh, pentatonics, he, he's arranged for vocally. And the big one is that he's arranged for um, the Voices of Liberty in the Disney parks, which if you have ever been to Disney, you know, is like, you need to be like a pinpoint accurate singer to be in the Voices of Liberty. They're an amazing vocal group. And um, he's f- formed a group outside of that, Voctive, and they do covers of like uh, Disney stuff, Broadway stuff, just like um, classics. So this past week, I've been listening to a lot of it. It's so lush. It just like shakes you to your core. Like when I'm telling you, I cried the whole 45 minute train ride into the city. I did like, I was like, I need to stop crying because I'm going to show up to my like lessons, like swollen. And the kids are going to be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. They're like, are you okay? They're going to think I have the fucking virus and like kick (laughs) me out. I'm like, no, no, I've just been crying, listening to acapella music. It's just, it's so beautiful. It's so lush and precise and really good singing I mean just like wow what a human voice can do um so that's specifically this week I always try and keep my horizons broad what else what else has been on the playlist hold on my my phone fell on the floor let me pick it up and I can pull up my playlist and see what's been on it this is a very intimate thing you're about to do yeah I mean well I also okay I will say this though being in quarantine I definitely don't listen to as much music as as I would if I was out and about in the world. So my like, the thing is, it's like when I listen to music now, it's basically with my workouts. So I I can't say that like, it's been particularly highbrow because it's a lot of like beats that I can run to quickly. Um, so like, like the Meg Thee Stallion album has been like played heavily the past couple of weeks since it got released with my workouts. Hey, but it's solid. It's solid. Yaddy, 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 it's, yaddy, 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 I mean, yeah, of course, of course, that's a single, but I mean, she, there's some good shit in there. And she's 25 so, and she's fresh on the scene. So, like, I'm pretty stoked to see what she's got to say, you know, moving forward. She stands up, you know, to like some of the dudes too. Like, and it's kind of old school the way she raps. I really dig it. It, it takes me back to like late 90s, early 2000s yeah. for sure. Which is definitely my like preferred genre of music as a whole. Well, we could talk for hours about how Jaw Rule was a sexual awakening for the both of us. <laughs> Literally, um, truly. Um, I actually, you know, I'm, I, I dig the vibes of the of the Miley album. Mm-hmm. Not usually my uh, my go to, but totally dig it. Um, my sister's really into Little Mix, so by default, that gets played a lot. And. For me, you know, if it's just me, I, I've been listening to the new Brass Tracks album. Um, and it's, you know, like big brass band. And for most of the tracks, they have really awesome R&B singers on top of it. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of R&B. It's a lot of like full, full music. Um, and then, okay, this is another weird one. All right. Because I'm saying like, it's literally all over the map. It's like Meg Thee Stallion, like acapella music like a little Miley like a little this so one of my favorite albums that I discovered this year in quarantine is called Goat Rodeo now Goat Rodeo okay yeah it sounds ridiculous but no it's not it's not go, it's not our first Goat Rodeo so it's an album um with Yo-Yo Ma um Stuart Duncan Edgar Meyer and Chris um Thile. they're all classical musicians and they do this like Americana folk album but you're thinking like literally the most skilled classical musicians of all time jamming on like really simple like chord progressions like it's so intricate and beautiful and delicious and there's some there's some uh tracks that have vocalists on them which also great vocal arranging it's been my like like all summer I would like go on these big long bike rides and like ride through like wooded areas and I would listen to the album like three times over it's got mandolin it's got violin it's got you know upright bass um that's bowed um obviously the cello because yo-yo ma doesn't play anything else but cello it's really good stuff it's good 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 music and it's a lot of storytelling and you don't often 
I find it hard to find music beyond classical music um, that tells a lot of story. Like, you know exactly what it's saying without words. That to me is like, that trumps all. And not our first goat rodeo does that. I can't wait to check that out. Yeah, I, I will send it to you. I cannot wait. It's it's so good, Ryan. I'm su- I'm really surprised I didn't make you listen to it when we went apple picking. Definitely a few tears here and there, but also yeah, a lot of feels, like a little anger, a little love, a little sweetness. It really brings you through the um through the emotions. So yeah, my music taste is weird and it ranges from um horny slut to um soft soft les in a library you know i don't know um (laughs) (laughs) well that kind of takes me to our next question which is just kind of the core of the pod which is why are you like this i'll give you a little bit of a starting point from my point of view you've always been a person who really lives in the duality of life is a little bit of this and is a little bit of that and becomes the wonderful creature that is amanda dark angelus um, and I just was wondering why you think you're like this. Yeah, um, that's exactly, I was going to say that exact thing. Um, there's duality in everything. And it has been very, very apparent to me throughout my entire life that I was always going to be addressing and struggling and working through this duality that exists within me. Um, I had a fortune teller. She was a true fucking psychic, let me tell you. Like I walked in and I forget what she said. It was something like, I don't know. It was really poignant. And I like sat down and then she gave me this reading and she's like, you will always have two options in life. You will always have two roads to take. And either road that you take will be fruitful and fulfilling and beautiful. But like they're all, the, the options will always be we'll there. Always and what a, there, what a yeah. crazy thing to hear is like a 17 year old. Yeah. Like, and who had just, you know, who was just coming to terms with, you know, I mean, I was just coming in terms of my sexuality and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, the basis of my first cabaret in, in the city was, it was called In the Gray, My Life in the Middle. And the whole thing was existing in the middle of this duality, right? You know, being a person of color, but also being very white at the same time and acknowledging both of those things and like how to deal with that. And, you know, being um, being bisexual and being um, attracted to men sexually but really romantically and sexually attracted to women and like what that means and um and what was the, there was a few other layers it was oh being a musician and being a performer which I think are one and the same but I think in the sphere in which I was thinking of this show in 2014 I couldn't coexist as a composer and a writer and a performer you know like Lynn manuel is the only one doing it you know and and the last thing I wanted to do was be like, oh, I could do that too, you know? But also feeling, having the imposter syndrome in both ways, right? It's like, I'm in a room full of brilliant musicians and I feel like an imposter. I'm in a room full of brilliant actors and I feel like an imposter. Now, if you looked at your worldview, I bet if you looked at the people around you, most people have multiple creative endeavors, but it's that like pop out of school, pop out of BFA that really puts you in like, Oh, absolutely. I only do one thing mindset. Right. And I I had um, an agent from DGRW. I asked him a question. It was like right before he graduated. Um, I was like, well, what what if you want to do all of these things? I'm like, what if you have, you know, musical talents and you play and you write and you do all these things? Like as an agency, do you, you know, support that and all of that? And he said, no. If you are a jack of all trades and you are a master of none and that is no value to me so being told right before you graduate and go into the real world that you have no value by one of the biggest agencies in the game um yeah you know you takes you know takes its toll on your confidence so the cabaret came out of of that of the frustration of all of that and looking back at that you know it's so funny that i still feel that way in a lot of ways and i think that it's it's grown. And I think being back at home and I think there's this duality of like who I was and who I am now, right? Like being in my childhood home as an adult 
and being with my wonderful family who I love and adore, but who are very, very straight. I'm very, very heteronormative people. Um, and just existing in this very homogenous suburb, it makes me feel, it makes me feel different. And I, I appreciate that I grew up here and I appreciate all of the privileges that I was allotted. I grew up very, very, very privileged um, in many ways. And I will never, I will always acknowledge that in, in all of my, you know, work and in all of my, everything moving forward. Like I grew up with privileges, but there are privileges I didn't grow up with. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm meandering here pretty hard. No, you're doing great. No, I think it's your, I think it's your ability to see these, the both sides of the coin that I think makes you a unique and interesting artist that people should be paying attention to. And I think it really colors your art, um, both as a performer and as a creator. And, um, I don't know. I think that's a true gift that you, I don't want anyone to take for granted because it is a, um, an ability to see things that I don't think a lot of people can see. Thank you. That, that means a whole lot to me that, um, that is, you know, what you perceive, because that's definitely what I try and put out there. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm a born and bred New Yorker. Like I am a little rough around the edges. I have strong opinions and I will voice them, but I am always here for diplomacy and I always want to know all sides of the story. You know, I think everyone deserves to be heard. And we, we talk about this a lot, me and you, Ryan, because we both have very, very different tastes and everyone is allowed to have their own taste in people, in um, art, in literature, in musicals and you know, artists, what have you. But I, I also want people to want to know what the other side is consuming, what the other side is seeing. And I think that makes you a better, well, more well-rounded artist. Though, you know, I feel like sometimes it kicks me in the ass, you know, because I am, quote unquote, not a master of one. I, I do pride myself in being well-rounded and I'm always striving to maintain that well-roundedness and know, know more about everything, whether it be, you know, science, you know, nature, I don't know, just anything and everything. I am very interested. And I think you need to have curiosity. Um, I think that's so imperative as an artist, because if you're not curious about things, if you are, if you're very okay with existing in your homogeny, then get out. Well, not that then get out. Like, I guess acknowledge it. Like, at least at least have the ability to see, okay, well, I live in a very, you know, vanilla world, and I'm okay with that. I don't know. But I I do like to see all, all sides of things, and I do like to know more. I am hyper curious, and I really hope that, you know, through self-education and exploration that one day I will be able to create a piece of living art that is worth the awards you know yeah. that's another I you know I can I will never scream and shout for acknowledgement even though sometimes on social media I'm like do this watch this I might be annoying sure but I I feel as though when the time is right, you know, I will shine through. Agreed. And I will never force it into being. I love that. It needs to it needs to be correct. It needs to be right. And the the moment will know itself because people appreciate real real heart. Yeah. And I think that I've been able to bring a lot of comedic and intellectual prowess to my work thus far. I've been able to bring a lot of Okay, rather this. I only only recently have I been able to tap into and acknowledge my emotional being. And only recently have I been able to really get comfortable with using that in my art. I think for a long time, I struggled a lot with my physical presentation and with that my emotional life because I never felt truly accepted and 
a myriad of ways. So my main goal was to be respected and liked and wanted for my thoughts, for my intellectuality. And that gets you far in a lot of ways. Um, and I just wanted people to think I was smart. Um, that was like a big deal to me. And that's great. I think that people think that, um, and that's <laughs> awesome. Um, and maybe not, maybe they think I'm a big old dummy, who knows? Um, but definitely it's hard. It's hard as an artist to bring your heart into things and you need to be ready. You need to be ready to do that. And I think I'm, I'm 28 years old now as we conduct this interview and maybe in 10 years we do another yeah. or maybe in five years we do another like Billie Eilish does in like every year. Yeah. I'll be your, I'll be your Phineas. I don't know how to do shit. <laughs> That's bull. That's <laughs> bullshit. But I do hope that, you know, with all the growth I've had in this past year, it's been a, obviously an insane year for everybody um, for, you know, thousand and a half reasons but i think you and i both know that i've had a lot of growth this year in a lot of ways i cannot wait to see your light shine through i'm super excited as we're getting towards the end of our time here i ask every guest this do you have any questions for me oh yeah okay questions for ryan i guess where did 20 year old ryan think 29-year-old Ryan would be? And would 20-year-old Ryan, what would he think of 29-year-old Ryan right now? What would he think? Would he be proud? Um, so, see, I'm 20, so I'm knee-deep in fraternity life. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm running like a horse with blinders towards that BFA. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, I don't think 20-year-old Ryan had the emotional depth to be proud of 29-year-old Ryan. Um, similar storylines. I just kind of have experienced a lot of no in my creative world mm -hmm. very early on, um, which made me... Um, it hardens you. It, yeah, and it made me angry. Yeah. Instead of uh, being able to channel that into a, a drive which I've recently been able to do but um, at 20 I definitely thought that I would have uh, been multiple times on Broadway um, yeah and been able to do petty things like actively leave out people in my acceptance speeches like it was oh, all yes. from this like angry point of view which like but that's it You've broken that. Yeah, because at 29, it's just like, I'm just making things. Right. And I I definitely, like I said, I think a lot of a lot of my life was fueled by this underlying anger that I didn't even know was fueling me. And once that kind of shattered, I realized, well, if it's anger that's fueling the motive, then of course what's going to come back to me is not going to be what I want. And it does, when it comes from a place of gratitude and love, like it just sounds so like Instagram quotey bullshitty, you know, garbage, you know, but it's the truth. It's the absolute truth when it comes from a place of understanding yourself and just gratitude at the fact that you can do it. It just, it shines that much brighter. And it's, when you walk into a room, it shows people people notice people notice people are like oh you're glowing you're literally glowing i'm like i am drinking definitely two liters more water a day however i've stopped letting this i'll prove it to you that i can do it energy from ruling my life like and proving it to myself it's like I've, i have i've proved it to myself over and over again i could do whatever i want exactly like why do i why am i still playing this game it's not helpful so i am proud of you for shaking free of the shackles of anger and resentment thank you because that is the biggest step that any artist can take that's artistry that's artistry over being a practitioner of the art because you're not waiting for anyone to tell you yes absolutely and and when you stop waiting for the yes you can say yes and when you stop giving energy to I'll prove it to insert whatever name here. Right. And you just put that energy into, I'll make this. Yeah. You'll be less tired. Nobody wants the dark circles that are under my eyes. You know what I mean? Like, 
Drink your water, get your rest. Get your water, get your rest. Take care of your entire being. If I could say anything to myself prior to this year is that, no, you cannot function on four hours of sleep. Stop with that bullshit. Go to sleep. What's wrong with you? Go to sleep. <laughs> You're not going to miss anything. I promise. I promise. Uh, this has been such a lovely chat, Amanda. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Literally, thank you so much for having me. You know I can talk for hours and hours and hours and hours. So One of your greatest it's, gifts. It's truly a delight. I know I, I bless anyone who um, chooses to, to be with me for long periods of time because you're just going to hear this shit all day long. Um, but no, thank you for having me. You are an impeccable host. Um, I'm so proud of you for leading with light and with joy. And I'm so excited to see what 2021 is going to bring both of us, quite frankly. I feel like it's going to be a bop in year for for us. Bops for tops. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. I was not ready. I was not ready. Woo. Where can the children find you? Um, The children can find me at Amanda D's on Instagram. I'm not really active on anything else. I mostly post, you know, stupid articles to piss off my uncles on Facebook. My conservative uncles, I mean. And um, I'm on Twitter, but just to read things, I don't really post. So yeah, at Amanda D's um, is my Instagram. And from there, you can basically find everything I'm doing on a regular basis. Awesome. And I cannot wait to hear more Amanda Dark Angelus music. I think this is going to be an incredible time for you. And I, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ryan. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.